It's another one of those content galore days today. News all over the place for the 24 class, the 25 class, of course the transfer portal. And yeah, some big football games yesterday and over the weekend, but it's felt like that for a month now. Show up here to do the show, content all over the place with uh, recruiting in the transfer portal. Do you want to say a uh, happy new year to all of the members of the Ref Army, to the text line as well. Happy New Year. We're thankful that you're with us again today on this January 2nd. Happy New Year to Parker Thune as well, who's been uh, running all over the country here for the past <laughs> week, man. Still got another four days of it. Then things will slow Back down. Back down to San Antonio after a San Antonio trip last week. Yeah. Well, you were uh, recently in Orlando. That's right. Looking at a lot of, a lot of signees from the 24 class, and I, I guess let's let's start there in this content galore day. Surprising news over the weekend, man. Uh, Dom McKinley... Decommits from Texas A&M, flips to LSU, and as of right now, this kind of feels like the end of the road for OU in the 2024 class unless some other late offer goes out. Yeah, and I I frankly wouldn't expect that that would be the case right now because they are going to have to finagle the numbers somewhat as it is, and they're looking at bringing in at least three or four more dudes in the transfer portal. Uh, Jake Roberts, yep. certainly at the top of that list, obviously – uh, looking for a couple other offensive linemen as well. If DJ Hicks gets in the portal by the end of the day, you know he's going to be heavily involved there. Uh, but and, and it's not just the scholarship guys, right? You get Jocelyn Malaska today via PWO, and I think many think that by the end of the week there will be a pretty well-traveled quarterback headed to Norman hmm. as well via the PWO. Boy, route. we've uh, been talking about that particular quarterback for – uh, the better part of two weeks now, but yeah, Don McKinley flips to LSU, and he—I uh, mean, th- there was a thought, and it may be a, a date set. I, I can't remember if there was uh, that Don McKinley was going to return to OU at some point. Brent had that in home uh, with Todd Bates a few weeks ago, but I'm going to guess no visit to Norman is taking place here before the second yeah. signing day. Yeah, no, and there there was never a visit set. They were gunning for a visit. There was never one set. It's just. Look, end of the day, the kid's a homebody, and that's that's fine. It's a Louisiana like, it's, kid. It's, it's hard a, to... It's a big-time Louisiana prospect. LSU's going to, even if they don't get the initial commit, well, they're going to win out so many times. And I mentioned it last hour, but we were down there. Actually, the, the day before he committed, I was having a conversation with his dad off on the sidelines, and his dad, you know, the more we talked, the more I realized, you know what? This kid's going to stay committed to Texas A&M, or he's going to flip to LSU, because... That proximity matters a lot more here than most seem to realize. And that was always the big inhibitor with Oklahoma. And ultimately, that's not really a hurdle you can clear because it's out of your control. You can't pick Norman up and move it any closer to Lafayette, Louisiana. But was he good enough to where if you could, you would have moved it closer to, to Lafayette, Louisiana? Is Don McKinley that good where you would have picked up Norman and moved it for three to four years? No, he's 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 a good player, but he's not that good to pick up Norman. Um, but this this is a good class. I mean, we've talked about the twenty four class. It's a good class. It's a really good class. Didn't Brent say at the signing day press conference he thinks that this is their best class that they've had since they've gotten to OU? Would have been nice to get Dominic McKinley. Yeah, uh, of course it would have. 
But does this change the success or failure of the 24 class for OU? I, I don't think so because I still think the defensive line haul was the best uh, position group that you had in this class. So would have been nice to get Don McKinley. Would have been nice to have one final chance to get him on campus in January. But that's not going to happen and unless a late offer goes out here. Oh, you could be done uh, when it comes to the 2024 class. But how, how about some of these signees before we go to the text line? Um, you saw several of those signees out in Orlando at the uh, Under Armour practices, and B.J. Brooks apparently had a really good week, but in terms of what went viral out there, did anything go more viral than Daniel Akinkumi staying out late for those practices and working on his footwork? Well, it was either that or Devon Mitchell ragdolling a Texas signee and then throwing the horns down. Those were probably the two most viral moments of the weekend. But, yeah, man, Akinkumi, that kid's driven. And for those that haven't read the feature I did on him over at OUinsider.com, it's a really good read and really gives you some insight into just how driven Akinkunmi is to be great at the University of Oklahoma. And, you know, I'll just read to you verbatim one of the quotes that he gave me at the tail end of this story because I think it's great for the Beatenbow haters in particular to hear because Lord knows they exist and they're vocal. There are those who are uber critical of Bill Biedenbow on the text line, on social media, and elsewhere. Uh, Akin Kunmi said, and I quote, of Bill Biedenbow, we talk every single day. He calls my mum every single day. <laughs> yes. He and my mum are best friends. They talk all the time. <laughs> Me and him, we actually love each other. That's my coach, and I'm never going to uh, change up on him unless he gets fired. And let's be honest, he will never, ever get fired. So I'm rocking with Coach B all the way. He's an amazing coach, and I can't wait to play for him and hopefully be able to have that type of relationship and that level of development to a point where I'm probably in the first round. I can invite him to the games. Fan favorite, Daniel Akinkumi. Uh, obviously, yeah. David Stones is pretty fan favorite as well, and he's had a nice week out there in Orlando. But, um, you know, the, the accent sounds like this kid, like you said, really wants to be great. 3 a.m. waits, wasn't that uh, included in the story that you wrote as well? Yeah, in Dude's, the weight room with Vaughn Mitchell and yeah. David Stone at 3 a.m. So I, th- this week was a little bit more like a, a little bit more insight to Daniel Akinkumi, wherever he's at now as a prospect. And I think he – Proved some things out in Orlando over he the sure past did, few man. days, but the work ethic, the work ethic, like the you know, just some things that guys need at this level to be successful. Daniel Akinkumi is, I, I, whether he's a success or not, we'll see. I don't think work ethic is going to be a reason that he wouldn't pan out at this level. He, he does that doesn't seem like seem like an issue for him. No. So no, he's and had a good week. B.J. Brooks has had a good week. Your, your couple of offensive linemen out there have, have looked good, man. They've really looked good. There was not, at least in the time I was there, there was not a more impressive offensive lineman than B.J. Brooks. I mean, nobody could get past him. Nobody could move him. He plants his feet in the ground. He anchors. He's not going anywhere. David Stones. Incredibly strong. So the 2-0 linemen have looked good. David Stone apparently has looked good as well, which uh, I couldn't help myself. It's It's got to be the petty side. But as I, I was watching and reading some things about David Stone over the weekend, my mind immediately went back to the Inside Texas guy saying, I mean, <laughs> I watched him up close, and he's a good player, but didn't he say, like, I think he's a, a three-star or yes. something like that? 
Well, David Stone, I, if there were any doubters out there, I, I guess he shut some people up. Tough look for Bobby Burton lately. <laughs> yeah, he was a – now, Jaden Jackson I was impressed with, but David Stone, man, I just I, I just didn't really see it with him. So it, it sounds like in some guys like Williams Winery – uh, maybe showed some flashes at times, but not consistently. I, Williams Winery didn't win a rep. Yeah, he didn't win a rep. Is it fair it was, to say? Is it fair to say though, of all the OU signees that were there, um, everyone's at least had a pretty good week out in Orlando? Or was there anyone that really struggled throughout the practices? No, none of them struggled. I mean, I, if I if I were grading them out, I would put I would actually put BJ Brooks at one over David Stone. Very slightly, just in terms of their overall body work. Those two are neck and neck. Then I would probably say Akin Kumi at three, Devon Mitchell at four, and Jaden Hardy at five. But even Jaden Hardy, like he was one of the guys that picked off a pass in the team session on Sunday. So yeah. it wasn't like he got exposed either. All five of those guys held their own and had their moments. 731 for the state of Tennessee on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Williams Winery got absolutely pancaked by, I think, an Oregon offensive line signee during a one on one. Is that that giant dude, the uh, the Oregon signee? It's like six Jaquan foot, McRoy. Is he, is he six foot seven? Is Enormous that freaking human Jeez. being. Yeah, but I even uh, was it on Rivals today that uh, they were having like, okay, here are some questions now after the week of practice in Orlando, and one of them was, is Williams Winery still going to be the top ranked defensive lineman in this class? So he's going to have to. So some rankings might change here. For he's going to have to pick some stuff up over the next couple of days because he has not had an impressive week to date. And look, he, like he's for all, he is first team on the off the bus guys. Like he's a legit six foot six, two hundred sixty pounds. Muscular. He looks great. It just has not resulted in an impressive performance on the football field as of yet because he. He hasn't been winning reps. The motor has been lackluster. And, yeah, Winery is definitely one of those guys that has had a much inferior week relative to expectations. Jeff from OKC, I have it from a pretty good source. That transfer quarterback is looking for a place in the Norman area, and it's pretty much a done deal. If you guys uh, don't know who we're talking about, maybe you took the uh, holidays off from here at the ref. Well, one, you missed a lot. Two, uh, Casey Thompson is uh, who, who is being mentioned here. Uh, Casey Thompson, when we talk about that transfer quarterback. 903 says, what if Brian Kelly goes to Michigan? And last week I played a clip from uh, Matt Moscona, who does radio in Baton Rouge, saying, hey, just to let you guys know, if Harbaugh goes to the NFL and the the Chargers, that could be the rumor, Brian Kelly would take the Michigan job if offered. Now, I I don't know this about Don McKinley, but I'm going to guess Don McKinley didn't commit to LSU based solely on Brian Kelly. So could it change things? Sure. I mean, what? I, I mean, it sounds like he's pretty solid uh, with LSU right now. But By if there's the way, a coaching change, you, you take a chance there. Ronnie Crimson texted and said Jordan Seaton was just asked who the hardest dude to block at the Under Armour game was, and he responded with David Stone. Nice. Um, but on that note, I wasn't there for it, but apparently at the Under Armour All-American game media day, Jordan Seaton was asked about his decision to commit to Colorado. And he was talking about the fact that he's going to play for Phil Lodeholt, Colorado's new offensive line coach. And he said something to the effect of, well, Lodeholt learned under Bill Biedenboe at Oklahoma, who's as good as it gets. So I know that learning from Lodeholt is just going to be basically like learning from Biedenboe, which is like a very interesting – like, first off, that's the number one offensive tackle in America – 
giving props indirectly to the guy that a good portion of the fan base wants to fire because he doesn't recruit well <laughs> enough. But also, uh, it, it goes back to Oklahoma's courtship with Jordan Seaton, and it was very, very obvious that they weren't going to put together a big enough bag to compete for his commitment. But the fact that Jordan Seaton has that much respect for Bill Biedenboe that he's going to go out of his way to yeah. bring him up in a conversation about his new offensive line coach at Colorado, that speaks very highly of Coach B. Miss Love says, where is B.J. Brooks from? He is from uh, Chatsworth, California. Chatsworth, Cal- Well, he's actually from Las Vegas. He went to high school out in uh, out See, yeah, Sierra, Sierra Canyon, Canyon for the last right. two years. I, he spent his first two years of high school at Desert Pines, where he was a teammate of Javante Barnes, interestingly enough. Uh, a listener in the 405 asks, can you run down the list of early enrollees this semester? Uh, there's, there's, well, a bu- there's a bunch. I, I'll, I'll tell you this. It's easier to run down the list of guys who aren't early enrolling. So let me do that. These are the guys that are not going to be on campus in January. These are the guys that will not get to Oklahoma until June. K.J. Daniels, Devon Jordan, Jeremiah Newcomb, Michael Patterson-McDonald, Eddie Pierre-Louis, Zion Reagans, and Taylor Tatum. Everybody else will be at Oklahoma in January. By the way, I don't know how much you're on uh, Instagram, but apparently Eddie Pierre-Louis and his uh, track side, along with his speed, I saw over the weekend, uh, he, he was he was Instagram famous, if he wasn't already. It was one of those videos like, oh my gosh, you need to check out this legit offensive lineman who also runs track. Check this out. Saw a lot of people sharing that over the weekend. Eddie Pierre-Louis, like people I think are just now figuring out like, Oh my gosh, he is a monster, and he's really athletic and really fast as well. A guy from Parts Unknown says, Dominic McKinley commits to Jimbo, then Brian Kelly. Kid obviously has a screw loose. <laughs> Hashtag biggest D-bag. Uh, yeah, that's, they're definitely in the top five right there. Uh, we, could, we could fill out the rest of the top five if you would like, but that's, that's two of the top five for sure. One more for the 405. Why wouldn't Sharon Moore get the Michigan job? He's already 6-0. He, he might get the Michigan job. Especially since he beat Ohio State last month, uh, or I guess back in November. But the LSU guy was just saying if Brian Kelly were to be offered, he thinks that he would take that job. But maybe they just promote their uh, their OC from within. Who knows? We'll see if Harbaugh's at Michigan or not. Okay, lot lot on the transfer portal. We'll get to that next, right here on the ref. We're the homeless senior fans. A happy new year to the ref army. It is locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref for the homeless Sooner fans. Tyler, Parker, and the ref army as well. Appleton, Wisconsin is tuned in today via the KREF app. Tacoma, Washington, Grand Prairie, Texas, Tempe, Arizona, Fortville, Indiana, Gray, Georgia, and our small Oklahoma town of the day, Camargo, Oklahoma. I say Happy New Year to everyone out there. Happy New Year to the ref army. Happy New Year to everyone except Ohio State fans and the Ohio State football program. Really? Thanks for nothing, guys. Thanks for absolutely nothing in the Cotton Bowl on uh, Friday nights. God. At least there was one positive bowl outcome this bowl season, and it didn't happen until late last night in the Sugar Bowl. So at least that one happened. But up until that that's, point, it was rough results. That's the one that matters the most, though, right? I, I, to me, yes, that's the one that mattered the most, is for Texas to not be playing in a national championship in Houston. That's and it won't be, be a, happening. Michael Penix carved him up. That's going to be a fun national championship game, man. Talk about different styles, you know? Yeah, for real. And I, I like Washington. I do, too. I, I think Washington wins that game just because I think 
they have the quarterback play that Alabama didn't, and that is probably what would have pushed Alabama over the edge in that game, and I think it is what will push Washington over the edge. Jocelyn Malaska is added via the portal today. PWO, three-star in the 2022 class out of Bethany. Three years of eligibility remaining. Uh, he was on with you and Steely, uh, what, at like 1245 or so, I believe, and Jay Valai had a Im- big impact on this one, as you might imagine, but what's to know about uh, Jocelyn Malaska as OU brings him home from the state of Utah? I mean, he's a guy that I think can be really, really good. And there's always been a developmental component such that you, I, I did, at least I didn't figure he was going to be an impact guy right off the bat when he got to Utah. And he's played in eight games there over two seasons, mostly on special teams. So hasn't really made that impact felt yet at the collegiate level. But he's got the size. He's got the speed. We're talking about a guy that's six foot two, 185 pounds, and has continually been laser-timed in the 4-4 range. So... It's one of the absolute fastest players on Utah's roster. We were talking about that with him in the 12 o'clock hour. And so assuming he can learn the finer points of technique under Jay Valai, and assuming he can continue to refine his game in that aspect, this is somebody that I think is capable of seeing the field for Oklahoma. Maybe not this year just because they're so deep at cornerback. Right. But – a year or two down the line, I do think Malaska is a guy that can drastically outperform what Oklahoma has invested in him as an because NIL and three years of eligibility does not need to play next year because of what they have coming back, especially if Woody Washington's back. Everything that you said about needing to learn the finer points of playing with uh, or under Coach Valai, all that next year is very big in that regard, and he'll and he'll have a year to do so to really kind of adapt and in, in the things that you're talking about there. Next year will be big for him in terms of that, and maybe in a year's time we're having a real conversation about him potentially being a starter. But, yeah, they, they don't need him to play right away. It was also they, interesting. He said he'd draft Michael Penix over Caleb Williams I heard that, if yeah. he had the number one pick in the draft. And that's what Ronnie Crimson says. Do you guys think there will be legit conversation about Penix being taken before Caleb in the draft? I, I'll be honest. I, I really don't think there should be. I still think Caleb is far and away the best overall quarterback prospect in this class because there's so many things he can do athletically that Penix just can't. But I think for an NFL system, with Penix just having the accuracy and the velocity that he does on his ball, the precision with which he plays the quarterback position, if he doesn't go first overall – He's still going to hear his name called, I would say, within the first 10 picks. Sure. And whoever ends up drafting him is going to get a guy that is plug-and-play from day one. I mean, Caleb Williams has been thought of the is thought of as the, the can't-miss prospect for over a year now. Yeah. He's he's going to be the first quarterback taken. Direct May at North Carolina may, may be number two, but then we're talking about Michael Penix right after that. I'd may, take may, Penix, maybe a Penix Drake, man. I would, and maybe Penix is, as we get into – you know, the draft combine and some different things. Maybe he uh, shoots up draft boards over Drake May of North Carolina. And at it's some point. a minor thing. I don't think it's I don't think it's something that will matter to a ton of NFL front offices, but I can see some maybe, you know, turning their head sideways over. It's just the fact that he's left handed. Yep. You know, that that is something that's going to be at the very least a conversation amongst the executives in the front office of whatever teams have interest in drafting him because it it is different. 
right, both to protect a left-handed quarterback and to get your receivers acclimated to catching passes from a left-handed quarterback. It is different, and it seems minute, and in the grand scheme, maybe it is, but I think it'll be a conversation topic. Texas really struggled against left-handed quarterbacks this year. Yeah, for real. Left-handed quarterbacks Mm, were their kryptonite. Couldn't uh, couldn't beat one this year, or at least uh, both their losses were to left-handed quarterbacks. Nick Scorton uh, will visit OU on the 6th out of Purdue. Led the Big Ten in sacks. He's the number eight overall player in the portal, according to 24-7. But he'll be at A&M on the third, so he'll be there tomorrow. Florida State on the fourth. Mizzou on the fifth. OU on the sixth. Good. He, he's coming in for a visit. Allegedly. He led the Big Ten in sacks. It's on the books as of right now that he's going to visit. But, again, he'll be visiting A&M on the third, Missouri on the fifth, and then Florida State on the fourth. So, we kind of know how this works, right? You may be getting the last visit. And did he visit Colorado recently as well? At least they thought he was going to get a visit. Um, we'll see. Uh, he, he's going to get some insane offers from a couple of those teams that are on those visits list. I mean, I, he just he just, he just just is, man. We know it now with Texas A&M and Missouri. They're, they're going to offer some ridiculous money for Scorton to, to, to join the roster. So we'll see how much of a chance OU has or if that, that, uh, that visit, like you said, even happens on the 6th. Yeah, I just – I'm not letting myself get too optimistic, and I don't think anybody should let themselves get too optimistic about OU's chances with Scorton. If that visit happens, again, at that point, great. It's game on. You got a shot. My big question is, does he make that visit at all? Because I think there is a decent chance he could be committed somewhere else before could he be. ever gets the chance to sure. visit Norman. But as of right now, the visit's on the books. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see if he – Makes it out of College Station, Columbia, or Tallahassee before the 6th. Hey, one other quick point on Jocelyn Malaska, who OU added today via the PWO. Uh, it helps when it comes to recruiting his younger brother in 2026. It yeah. sounds like he's a player out there at Bethany. Yeah, Evanson, he's going to be a stud. And a guy that OU offered this past summer, has prioritized. And you heard Jocelyn talking about it, and if you were listening during the 12 o'clock hour, uh, Valai already had – a very strong relationship with his family because of Evanson. And so once Jocelyn hit the portal, it was really just a matter of developing the personal relationship between those two because they'd never talked. But the comfort level from his family was very high with Vali. Caden Willard, uh, number 42 player, according to 24-7 Sports in the portal, he's set to visit tomorrow still, and he said something Friday or Saturday on Twitter, I think it was a quote tweet on something Miguel Chavis said, and it was, this guy is as real as they come. So unless something drastically changed over the past 48 hours, would probably continue to think that OU's got the uh, got a pretty good chance to land a defensive end out of Miami of Ohio. So we'll see how uh, that visit stacks up tomorrow. Otherwise, in the portal, and, and yeah, we got to talk about Jake Roberts, who uh, who played at Norman North in high school, but it's David Hicks' watch. It's been David Hicks' watch for, for a week now, uh, really for a few days since Texas A&M got done with their bowl game. Technically, the portal deadline is today, but it seems like uh, every year we hear names two and three days after the official portal deadline is over. They just have to acknowledge that the coaching true. staff. That they just is have true. to acknowledge yes. the coaching staff by today. At least in this cycle, this portal cycle, that they're going to be in the portal. But I, so I guess we'll be watching out for David Hicks for the next couple of days, really. And yeah, that's the thing. Like this process could run until the fourth or the fifth of January because they have to file their paperwork today. That paperwork doesn't have to be processed immediately by the school. I think it's like a forty-eight, seventy-two hour type of window where that 
paperwork can be finalized and the kid's name officially appears in the portal. So I I guess if you don't see David Hicks' name in the portal by the end of the day, don't assume that ship has sailed. But I mentioned it earlier. I've just heard so much conflicting stuff that it's it's hard to take anything as gospel with regard to what DJ Hicks will end up doing. And if he does end up entering the portal, I have no doubt that he's going to command a king's ransom, not oh, yeah. just from Oklahoma, but from many other programs. Slim Brady says that's a lot of money to turn down before the Oklahoma visit. Not talking about David Hicks. I'm talking about Nick Scorton, uh, who's supposed to be at OU on the 6th, but we listed the uh, the other offers that will happen before then. 405, I think you guys are way overrating Michael Penix. Texas had... Where, where, where is it at? Texas had absolutely no pass rush last night. I mean, that's Did you fair, see some of the throws but... that were made, dude? Those were darts. One touchdown he had in the third quarter was, oh my gosh. And some of the windows that he was Jeez. fitting those passes into. I don't man. think we're overrating. Like, no. Can you say no. that Texas didn't have much of a pass rush? Sure. Can you say that, well, the Achilles heel all year for Texas has been their secondary? Yeah, like those things can be true. But I think it can also be true that... Michael Penix, best quarterback in college football this year. I mean, he is. I know he didn't win the Heisman Trophy. I know Jaden Daniels did. But I don't think we're overrating that guy at all. He is fantastic, dude. And, and even some throws that were made down the field, you say, oh, well, that's Rome Odunze winning one-on-one coverage. Sure, but some of those deep balls, Michael Penix is just putting it right on the money, man. Right on the money. And even some of the plays that he made with his feet, he's, he's legit. Yeah, well, and just to give you guys a little bit of behind the scenes, my – Heisman ballot, which I can disclose now that it's all over and done with, I I voted for Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels got my vote. Penix was my runner-up. And the reason I elevated Penix to runner-up over Bo Nix was because, well, honestly, because of the two victories head-to-head that Penix and Washington had over Nix and Oregon. But as I sit here today, I'm like, man... And the reason I went with Jaden Daniels was just because his numbers were so astronomical and nobody really had a true Heisman moment. I was like, okay, this this is the safe answer. This is the one that I feel most comfortable with. But it's hard to have watched what Penix did last night and go, man, I don't know if I would make the same decision if I had to cast that ballot today. Uh, CD from Hockley wants to know this. Recruiting Boomer wants to know this. Others as well. What's up with Daya McCullough entering the transfer portal, and does that affect Desan McCullough and uh, his future at Oklahoma? From the conversations I have had, it does not affect Desan. I don't know why it would. Played and a lot this year. He's going to probably play a lot again next yeah, year. Yeah, look, it's, it's business, right? Day McCullough was likely never going to play a meaningful role at Oklahoma with how much talent there was in that safety room because we continually talked about it, right? Tyler, we continually talked about how much depth and how much talent Oklahoma has at safety, and Dave McCullough was never a guy that got brought up. Yep. It was hard to bring him up. He was hurt a lot this past year, both in camp and throughout the season, only played in one game, and had been buried on the depth chart. Is what it is. Is what it is, but uh, should not affect Desan. Desan played quite a bit this year, and again, uh, He'll, uh, he'll play quite a bit uh, once again uh, going into next year for sure. All right, 405-651-3439 is the text line. Text line, um, hear me out like on this one right here because we're talking about the transfer portal right now. How do you guys think OU is faring in the portal? If someone were to ask you right now, hey, you're an OU fan. How do you think OU's doing in the portal right now? Well, let us know. 405-651-3439. We'll get to your text and a whole lot more right here on The Ref.
Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref. We're the home of Sooner fans. Kenipalmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. One other portal player that uh, we need to talk about, at least another player that's in the portal. Played high school football at Norman North, uh, most recently at North Texas this past year. The connections there are pretty obvious between OU and Jake Roberts, and feels like a year ago they had a chance to make that a thing. OU did, and you know maybe didn't take that opportunity. Will OU um, be a more aggressive this time around when it comes to try to get Jake Roberts in the portal and add their second tight end this portal cycle? Is Jake Roberts an option because of what he's done, the position of need, and who his little brother is? I would be surprised, Tyler, if Jake Roberts is not a Sooner for the 2024 football season. I would be very surprised. It makes all the sense in the world, doesn't it? He has a very good relationship with Seth Luttrell. Very good relationship. Obviously, played for him at North Texas for three years. Jake had an offer to go to Oklahoma in the portal cycle last year, chose Baylor instead. But what does he have at Oklahoma now that he didn't have a year ago? The presence of Seth Luttrell. And so I think that could be what tips the scales in favor of Oklahoma. And for a Norman kid who's got a younger brother that is a heavy target for OU. Just makes sense from all sides, doesn't it, it man? Yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, it really does. From their side, from the Roberts side to OU side, it just well, and feels like your, a mix. Put yourself in the shoes of, another, of a fan of another program that wants Jake Roberts. How do you convince yourself that you have a shot at this kid? If you're be mindful tough. of well, everything that OU if, has. If OU's like, uh, if they send out the offer and they really push hard, they're aggressive for it. it yeah, they're going to be really tough to, to, to beat for this one, for sure. Uh, so we'll, we'll see uh, Jake, uh, Jake Roberts here in the next few days if he uh, picks OU or not, joins him in the portal. All right, I asked uh, going into the break, um, you know, OU fans, if someone asked you, hey, how, how do you think OU's doing in the portal right now? How would you answer? Lloyd from El Reno says, B right now, just waiting to see who else we get. So Lloyd gives OU's portal efforts so far a solid B. And for what it's worth, um, 24-7 portal rankings, they've got Ole Miss at 1-1. They've got Colorado at two. They've got Louisville at three. They've got OU at 29 uh, currently right now in terms of uh, portal rankings. Brad from Shawnee says, I think we're doing fine in the portal. I trust our coaches' evaluations to meet specific needs. Jackson and Edmund says, OU grades, recruiting A, transfer, portal B minus game. Oh, wait, wait, wait. There's a lot of different things there. Recruiting is an A. Transfer portal is a B minus, and coaching is a D. That's from uh, Jackson and Edmund there. So we got a recruiting grade, a portal grade, and a coaching grade. A lot of difference. A listener in the 615 says, what can you tell us about replacement options for Matt Wells? Well, what I can tell you is that Matt Wells' position on the Oklahoma staff had already been filled. Now, I... For the life of me, I can't remember the guy's name. And by the way, if you didn't know, Matt Wells is going to be the quarterback's coach. Sounds like he's going to be the quarterback's coach at Kansas State. Yeah, quarterback's coach and co-OC. Now, I, for the life of me, I cannot remember. I'm going to have to look back because I'm spacing on what the guy's name was. Basically, after Jeff Lebby left, Brent Venables and the OU administration brought in a couple off-field assistants, one of whom was kind of tailor-made for Matt Wells' role, because at that point they understood that he was moving on. He'd interviewed for the Oregon State job. He later interviewed at Nevada and at New Mexico. And 
It was pretty obvious that, he, yeah. sure, he had options. Yeah. Three years as an analyst at Oklahoma, that's a long time. Two years, okay, that's a get-back-on-your-feet type of stint after he was fired at Texas Tech. He was ready for the next thing. It was kind of an open secret, and the OU staff was already under the impression that they would need to replace Matt Wells. They did so proactively. Uh, KW918, how we doing in the portal? Just like recruiting. I think we do really good, but it's not elite since we don't use NIL as a way to buy players like others. Overall grade, a 69 <laughs> D+. Plus. It's from KW918. Uh, this texture from the 918 says, C, haven't killed it on the O or defensive lines. Uh, 918, feel like elite teams are loading up on talent and OU is being extremely cautious and missing on some guys. Uh, Ronnie Crimson, I think we fared well in the portal. Just want to see one more O-line in an impact player on the defensive line. So everyone's kind of of the same opinion here. It's, yeah, it's doing okay. But I'd like to see us add another offensive lineman or two and someone that's really good up front on the defensive line. And, yeah, sure, I, I think that if you can find a, a legitimate defensive lineman, interior defensive lineman in the portal, that, that'd be awesome. Those are hard to find in the portal. They're not easy. But that combined with a offensive line or two with some experience at the Power 5 level, that would make uh, people feel a lot better about OU's uh, portal chances. Which, by the way, or portal success, I should say, have any offensive line targets emerged over the weekend for OU in the portal? Because there's not a whole lot of scuttlebutt on names out there that they're trying to zero in on. I will give you a couple of names to monitor, to keep an eye on. One would be Michael Tarkin. This is a name that OU fans may be familiar with. He took an official visit to OU out of high school. Uh, OU pursued him in the portal last year around this time. Out of high school, he committed to Florida over Oklahoma and Miami. In the portal last year, he committed to USC over Oklahoma. He has started games over the course of his collegiate career at left tackle, left guard, and right tackle. So he's bounced around quite a bit. Uh, He has one year of eligibility remaining, and he has 28 collegiate starts to his name. That is a guy that is in play for Oklahoma. Another guy that is in play is I got to make sure I get his name correct. He just hit the portal from the University of Kansas, Armaj Reed Adams. That is another one to be mindful of. I do love every time a like former four-star, or really a former five-star offensive lineman hits the portal. I just see a bunch of quote tweets like, oh, can we has him? Does he like covered wagons? And there was one today from LSU who's a former five-star. Oh, any OU interest? Hopefully, please. So, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I, I still think OU's going to get a portal offensive lineman or two by the time uh, this portal cycle's all said and done. 405, is Casey Thompson still an option? Thank you. Not only does it feel like Casey Thompson is, yes, still an option, uh, maybe as optimistic as uh, we've been the past couple of weeks for OU's chances with Casey Thompson. Seems to be a lot of reasons to feel pretty good about that one. I think it's done by the end of the week. Yeah, kind of feels like it's moving that way for sure. 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We got one segment left to cover everything that we missed over the three-day weekend. I don't know if we can do it, but we'll try. More Portal, more Cruton here next on The Ref.
Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC in El Reno, bringing you this hour of Locked In with McComas and Thune. Dorsey Jones is family-owned and operated, established in 2020, but many of their employees have been there for more than 20 years. They sell Buicks and GMCs, which are some of the best trucks and SUVs on the road. It's Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC in El Reno. Um, Some national things over the weekend. K.J. Jefferson, former quarterback at Arkansas, is heading to UCF. Jackson Dart will be back at Ole Miss next year after they won the Peach Bowl against Penn State. Cam Ward is heading to the NFL Draft. DJ Uyunglele is heading to Florida State next year. And this one happened on Friday night, and when I saw it, I said, oh, good for him. That could be a really good spot. Uh, Tawi Walker is heading to Wisconsin. That, that, could, that could really work out nicely for old Tawi up there in Madison. Offense is a little bit different than what it's been in the past. Way more of a spread offense and throwing it around, but still, it's Wisconsin. They'll, they'll run the ball. Yeah, isn't Tawi like the perfect running back for Wisconsin? That's a, like, immediately what I see thought. See Tawi like, run, Dang. you're like, oh, yep, Wisconsin. Makes sense. <laughs> right. Tailor-made. Tailor-made. Yeah, so uh, best of luck to Tawi. I know a lot of people wanted him to be on scholarship and be back next year. I, I was one of those for sure, but not, not going to happen. Not going to happen. He'll be playing in the Big Ten next year. Don McKinley flips to LSU over the weekends. It kind of feels like as of right now, OU's pursuit in the 2024 class is over. So as we look ahead to 2025, OU currently has the number three ranked class in the 2025 team rankings according to rivals. Uh, They've got nine commits right now. But does anything feel super imminent with OU in the 25 class? It'll, It'll pick up during the spring for sure, but does anything just feel... Super imminent in terms of commits for OU in 25. Or might we hit a, a bit of a lull before we get back to the action for the 25 class? My answer to that question is no. I don't think anything is super imminent. Doesn't feel like it is. Probably be and it doesn't need long. to be. It doesn't need to no. be right now. No, I mean, it wasn't commits. last year. You're way ahead of where you were last year, and you yes. still ended up with the top 10 Last year at this time you had zero commits. Right now you have nine. So. You uh, you were in Orlando for the past few days, I and what did you say earlier that you thought out of all the signees that B.J. Brooks performed the best out of OU signees there? Yep. Is that what you said? Okay. Well, um, at least John Garcia Jr. of Rivals is agreeing with you in a way. The story is Under Armour game, 10 players, 10 players improving their stock. So Rivals has 10 players throughout the week in Orlando that have improved their stock, and B.J. Brooks is on this list, and he's the lone Sooner on this list as well. Says, Oklahoma's offensive line haul has aged well over the past few weeks, adding number one guard Eddie Pierre-Louis and signed prospects such as Brooks and Daniel Locke and Kumi, each outperforming their ranking in Orlando. Brooks brings polish to the table and a pound-for-pound strength that allowed him to challenge five stars throughout the week, winning more battles then he lost against them. Yeah, and if you don't want to take Garcia's word for it or Rivals' word for it, here's Greg Biggins of 24-7 Sports. Chatsworth, Sierra Canyon offensive lineman and Oklahoma signee Eugene Brooks has shined in Orlando this week, and you can make a case he has been the top lineman on either side of the ball. Man. Hello. Dang, on either side of the ball. Yes. Wow. <laughs> okay. That I mean, that includes such luminaries as David Stone and Dominic McKinley and Williams-Winary. 
he's gonna. I mean, we we gotta we gotta adjust BJ Brooks's ranking and, and what's he on rivals right now? He he's a four star. He's a the number eleven player's position. Yeah, he's a four star, but he's not in the top two fifty. I'm gonna go on record. I will make the prediction that he ends up in the top two fifty. Um, if he's the maybe the best offense, maybe the best lineman. Period. Where there's a whole lot of four and five stars. Yeah, that's probably a pretty safe prediction there. So that's. That's good news to hear at this point. Again, is it ideal if you have a starting offensive lineman that's a true freshman next year? Well, no, probably not. But offensive line, we, we know how we've been talking about it recently. And, and, and did they, they didn't just mention B.J. Brooks there with what I read. Also, Daniel Locke and Kumi, they said, outperforming his rating as well. So that's, that's nice to hear that that's been the case out there in Orlando for where things are at right now. CD from Hockley says, what's up with the two predictions for Ohio State and Nate Roberts? Did another one of those drop over the weekend? There's, there's more State, than two. Nate Roberts? There are several predictions across the industry and for Ohio State for Nate Roberts. I, I mean, people have their opinions. I have mine. I think the kid ends up at Oklahoma. Well, getting Big Brother would uh, help out. Pretty, that would go a long way. That, that, would, that would help out uh, substantially. Uh, OU's chances, I would guess. Cherokee Sooner says, after USC, Mid-Zoo, and Oklahoma A&M all won their games, I was getting very worried about starting the new year on such a downer. Thank you, Washington. I know it was the first positive football happening on the college side that I could remember in a long time. So, very thankful for Washington and Michael Penix Jr., who we were told earlier we're giving too much credit for. Thank you to those guys, or it really would have been a disastrous bowl season. Washington got it done, man. And I think I'm going to pick him to win the national championship, which is crazy to think. I know. How wild is that, man? Like, Washington. Washington. Of all the te- of all the sleeper teams that you could have pegged before the season that would make a national championship run, Washington would not have been among my top five, probably. But here they are. And on the verge... Of being, did they win the championship in like ninety one? They split with uh, Miami in ninety one, I believe. Okay, because Colorado and Georgia Tech split in ninety. Yeah, and I think technically Miami and Washington both split it in ninety one. Okay, so it's been thirty plus years since Washington was on uh, ascended to the zenith of college yeah. football. By Not the way, we do the same. We did award Todd Bates K Ref Recruiter of the Year yesterday. I know. Not the month, the year yesterday. So, everyone seemed to be, for the most part, okay with that. But congratulations to Todd Bates. Nice job, Todd! KRF Recruiter of the Year for 2023. The race in 24 should be a lot of fun as well. The Rush is coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref.